Happy New Year to everybody. Welcome to Infuse Church. Super glad that you're here. Hopefully, for some of you online or in the room, we're part of your resolution, and therefore, I really hope your resolution works out this year, because I'm glad that you're here, um, because we all have goals. Uh, at least I think we kind of think in terms of them at the start of the new year. We may not be like as we were in younger years where it's like, I'm going to make it work. I'm going to always accomplish my new year's resolution. It's now it's like, hey, I hope I can get this done this year or something like that. But the one thing, the one thing that we all have in common, the one thing I can guarantee that all of us are going to experience in 2023 is this thing right here. It's one word. It's called change. I know. Yes. One thing I can guarantee you from change is that you will get older this year. <laughs> Audible groan from the room. Fantastic. Yeah, so um, a good example of this as I was kind of thinking uh, how, how to kind of cue in this message today uh, is if you think back to 2020, okay, so not your goals for 23, but think back for your goals for 2020, and I bet you're thinking to yourself, I don't even remember what my resolution was because just out of curiosity, did anyone have as their resolution for the year 2020 avoid a worldwide pandemic? Anybody? <laughs> right, exactly. There, that was not a part of anybody's goals, yet things changed, didn't they? And I was actually thinking about this. I think I've shared this story once before, uh, but in October of 2019, before COVID-19 even existed, or I guess that we know of, I don't know. Um, and we set as a church a goal of launching our online campus uh, on March 22nd, 2020. Now, I didn't make that date up. That's our church anniversary. And so it was intentional. We were going to launch it March 22nd, 2020. And this was like a real God moment. Like, this is crazy. It's because in March, 20, uh, March 22nd of 2020 was really in Iowa and really the United States when lockdown started. It was the first Sunday we were not able to meet together, and so we did indeed launch our online campus on March 2020, um, in March 2020, on the 22nd, uh, but, but nobody was there except for like 10 of us. And, and not just that, we weren't even here. We were in a closed church building in Marengo, Iowa. We had like pulled all the pews out of it and transported it to a little recording studio. We had run internet from one of the Infused Church members' house next door into the church building to live stream out to everybody. It was absolutely crazy. Um, it was a crazy time if you think of COVID in general, right? It impacted our lives for two plus years. Um, but it was really crazy because you have a choice on how you engage with that change, right? It was hard, it was frustrating. Uh, it was scary, but also it was good, uh, and it was bad. Some of you got brand new cars out of it because you got in car accidents on your way to the church in Marengo. Uh, that is 100% true, and that individual, those individuals are here today, and so if you can find them, you can ask them about it. It's 100% true, uh, but that's just the generosity we have here at Infuse Church. You come to Infuse, you get new cars from your insurance company. Yes. Um, uh, some more change in 2023, fast forwarding to this year for us as a church. Um, we announced this at our State of the Church in November um, that Infuse is partnering with a church up in Cedar Rapids. And so uh, in the coming months, we're going to be um, two churches becoming one church. Um, and so we'll have Infuse Church kind of here and we'll have Infuse Church kind of there. And we're all going to come together and share resources and hopefully be able to accomplish and reach more people because of our combined resources and Support And so some of our team is actually up there teaching and preaching and leading 
this morning. Um, but things like that can create change. And as you've probably heard the expression, we don't really like change. Change is hard. Human beings in general are not great at change. It's just think of the past year and think about how much has changed since January of 2022 to January of 2023. And some of those unexpected things, especially the big ones that really stand out, like how did you handle change? How do you handle change in general? How did you handle that illness or those unexpected injuries that came up? How did you handle uh, the relationship changes or the relationship conflict that came up? You weren't planning on it or maybe you kind of saw it on the horizon, but it really hit full force. How many of you planned or, um, you know, really just sailed through and could handle the change of family dynamics changing or your family in general changing? Maybe kids leaving the house, maybe new kids coming into the house or kids just growing up. That's just a change in of itself. Work changes. Oh, my gosh. Economic changes like the housing market. Just in, If you were in the housing world this past year, that was absolutely crazy. Interest rates, economic impacts, you might have felt the strain uh, this past year. How do you handle change? Do you handle it well or not so well? And if you're not sure, just ask your spouse. They will definitely tell you how you handle it. How do you do when plans change or um, you, you were uh, unprepared for an event or you went to an event and you didn't wear the right stuff or you didn't have the right stuff? or you didn't pack the right things, or whatever you planned, an event or a thing or an investment or something ended up to be way more expensive than you planned on. How do you handle that change? Or I don't know, some of you and anybody else, I know there's at least one other person who lost their furnace a few weeks ago in that cold snap that we had of negative 10 degrees. Like your furnace goes out, you wake up and you're like, it's really too cold in this house. And your furnace is out. Like do you lose it or you're like, singing praise hymns the whole time, you know? You're just, as a good, good father. It's cold in here, you know, but it's who you are. Or do you go around and you say some not so good, good words to everyone in your house that you might regret later? Most of us, one way or the other, especially if it's unexpected change, we don't like it. Especially if it's change that we don't see immediately how it's going to benefit us or that it was benefiting us and then it changed and then it's gonna benefit others more than it is gonna benefit us. We don't like that. When change doesn't give us what we want, we don't like change. We become like this guy right here. His name's King Saul. If you grew up in church, you're really probably familiar with King Saul. Um, he was the first more or less king of Israel. This is a made up picture, by the way. It's not his real picture. Somebody just painted it at some point. Um, about 3,000 years ago, he ruled in the nation of Israel. He was appointed king by God through a guy named Samuel. You might have heard of him or you might have heard of somebody named after him. Samuel, pretty popular. Um, and uh, so today we're actually going to be in First Samuel. Uh, we call it a book. It's actually a scroll, but getting the details there. We'll be in 1 Samuel, um, but to understand Saul and how we are like Saul and how we can become like Saul, you also have to understand this other guy, also made a picture. He didn't normally have a halo in his pictures. Um, his name was David. Um, now, some of you know he eventually became king, but for this moment in time, in the passages we're going to be looking at, he's not king yet. So we're just going to call him David, and we're going to call Saul King Saul. 
And to understand them all, you have to understand their dynamic. Specifically, we're going to look at what happened right after their first meeting, the first time these two guys met. And Saul was um, much larger, the biblical authors describe. He's a big, big guy. Um, He's very intimidating, um, and he was older. And then you have David, um, who was a shepherd, um, and he obviously less formidable and intimidating, just a very common looking guy, all right? And so their first meeting is a very, very famous story. Uh, It's a story that has been discussed and debated and rehashed and told a million different ways uh, in Christian circles and out of Christian circles on YouTube. You can find a million different takes on this whole story uh, in podcasts, Uh, But it's when Saul was battling the Philistine army and they were facing each other, kind of at a stalemate of sorts. And so the Philistines sent their hero and his name was Goliath. And then the the Israelites were supposed to send their hero and then the heroes would fight and that way they didn't have to fight a war. Whoever won would just win the battle. And in comes, and nobody wanted to fight Goliath because he was massive, he was huge, very intimidating. Nobody wanted to fight him. David comes along, he's a shepherd from Bethlehem kind of a big deal genealogy of Jesus. David was uh, part of the lineage of Jesus. Um, But anyways, from Bethlehem. And he goes head-to-head, one-on-one with Goliath. And David, as the story goes, defeats Goliath, winning Saul a massive victory, stunning everyone. Because nobody expects, this is an underdog story, that's why we like the story so much. And it elevated David to fame and glory. And this is, the, this is one of those moments where change happens. This is a change moment. Like, it's good and it's exciting, but what we don't really think about are the implications. David won for Saul, and it changed the dynamic of Saul's kingship, his lordship over Israel, from that point forward. It, it's kind of like what COVID did, or what that illness or injury that you had this year, this past year, the relationship falling apart or an unexpected event or whatever that may have been for you. Um, it's, it's what happens in those moments. Everything changes and we all kind of sit there like, whoa, what do we do now? How is the world looks different now? How do we work within the world? How do I uh, decide, make decisions? How do I behave considering all the implications of what has happened? And this is the moment when the Saul's in each of us come out. And this is also the moment when, like, Saul was the most Saul. Um, and it wasn't great. So here's what happened. Everybody, everybody's excited. They just won this big victory. And we pick up in 1 Samuel um, chapter 18. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing with joyful songs and put timbrels and lyres. And as they danced... They sang a song, and as I read the song aloud, you're going to pick up on some tension. You are going to feel the discomfort of this moment. If you put yourself into the story, you'd be like, you know, walking along, you know, marching along with David, listening to the song, and like, awkward, like, this is uncomfortable, this has changed things, and I'm not sure how this is going to play out, okay? Here's what they were singing. Here's what the ladies were singing to the men, okay? And if you want to, you know, get a man to feel uncomfortable, just have a bunch of women singing a song about them, and whoo, okay? Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands, not his one thousands and one, 
Not his two thousands, but his ten thousands. In other words, basic math tells us David is ten times better than Saul, and all the ladies agree. Okay? And if, if you're a man in the room, I'm just saying, like, you can kind of, like, you could, you can kind of feel, like, maybe what Saul was thinking in that moment. Like, this is embarrassing. I am not happy. I am king. And you start to get defensive, and that's exactly right, because that's what Saul was feeling. He's king, and yet everybody's singing about how great the shepherd boy is, 10 times better than the king is. And this was an unexpected, definite, tangible, real change for Saul. And he was, as First Samuel said, very angry. Shocker. This refrain displeased him greatly. And I don't know if he was saying this out loud or a little inner monologue or what was going on. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought. Oh, it says he's thought. <laughs> it says. It was inner dialogue. This is why you got to read the Bible, people. Every time you read it, there's something new. Okay. <clears throat> but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? Okay. So in a moment, he was king, and now the shepherd is coming for his kingdom. Think of that switch. That's dramatic. It feels dramatic. It's like, whoa, Saul, you're still king. Slow down, tap the brakes a little. Easier said than done. Because, come on, you've been around people where something dramatic, some change happens in their lives, and you're like, whoa, there is a change going on with them. Something happened. I could just feel it in their body language, in the tone that they're taking. Like, this is a whole different ballgame we're playing here, okay? And they respond in a very angry, displeased way. And that's how they engage change. We do that too. All of us do that. And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. But it's gonna escalate really quickly from here. It's not just gonna be a close eye, it's gonna get worse, right? Because when what we count on changes, when our financial outlook changes, right? How am I gonna make it? When that question peers in, pops into our mind, am I gonna make it? Is it gonna be okay? Is this gonna work out? Boy, we can, you can feel it in here start to boil up. If it's a relational issue, you, know, you may feel like a failure or you may feel like you're failing your kids or you're failing others and, and that just builds tension and frustration and maybe even a bit of paranoia and the anger, right? And that change just festers and, and you start not thinking great thoughts. Okay, you work yourself up. You're looking, like, then you become, I don't know if you guys do this. I do this, but maybe you guys are so much better. That's fantastic if you are. But you look for other things that are going wrong. Like other changes. They don't even have to be related to the main thing. It could be other things, but somehow they're connected. And you'll connect it like something at work happened. And so you're going to be like, well, that's so connected to that thing happening in my family. And you'll pile it all in a big bundle and you'll just pour it into a pot of anger and frustration and stewing and bitterness and all that kind of stuff. Okay, this is what's happening with Saul. So this, what happens next feels extreme, but really, emotionally, it's not that crazy, okay? So then the next day, and this is going to be kind of like a little side message. So the next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully upon Saul. You're going to read sentences like this, and you're going to like, what just happened there? Explain that again. And it's so easy for people to just skip past because it's like, that doesn't make much sense. And we could have a whole conversation about this sentence. I don't want to skip past it, but... 
we can't do a three-part message just on this. It'd be like a whole series on the will of God versus and the sovereignty of God versus our free will and that whole thing um, and how the Bible works or God works through delegated authority and um, spiritual and human, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, so um, what gets lost in tr translation here is this word right here, a uh, little Hebrew for y'all because I know some of you are just Hebrew, biblical, ancient Hebrew nerds. Today's your lucky day. Um, this word right here is evil, or in Hebrew, it's ra. It's a super easy word to remember. It's ra, R-A with a little punctuation, okay? Comma, something, accent, thing. Okay, and so it's ra. And um, in, in English, when we say something was evil or an evil person, we then assume that person was bad, and in Hebrew, that's not how evil or they kind of thought, per se. Um, when something is evil, it's really more of an action. It's a, an outcome, okay? It's tangible. It's not necessarily reflection on the being themselves. It's just that because of the Spirit's action or behavior in Saul's life, there were decisions that Saul made that were not Good. They were evil. They were twisted. So I brought this nice big rope along. So, so it, it, the word ra, actually the, the root word, the origin word is actually twisted. Okay. Um, and this is usually, you know, versus straight and narrow and, and strong and direct and clear. This is not. This is twisted. This is tight. This is bad. This is negative. That's where the word ra or evil comes from. In Hebrew is the word uh, twisted. So anyways, so essentially, this spirit comes along and is a part of helping Saul do bad things. It's not as though Saul loses his free will. Saul has his choice, but Saul is then going to do something um, pretty evil and pretty negative, okay? Um, and also, as a part of this um, story, we read, um, so th there's that, he was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre, as he usually did, and Saul had a spear in his hand, which... Saul usually did. Saul, uh, there's tons of biblical references where Saul was by a spear, with a spear, spear by his head while he was sleeping. Like this was his favorite weapon. It was very common for him to have this with him. Okay, so the scene is set for the overflow of that bucket of emotion and pain and, and frustration that Saul is feeling and that sometimes we feel as well. Okay, and it's about to dump out and Saul snaps, he snaps. And what does he do? Saul hurled it, spear, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. So he takes the spear and in an attempt to do what so many of us do when change is happening to us and we feel out of control and we're scared or we're afraid or we feel bad about it, we try to regain control. We try to prevent the change. He's not trying to kill David. What's he trying to do? He's trying to pin him against the wall. He's trying to show David and everyone else who's in charge, who really has the control here, who's superior to everyone else. Yet David eludes him twice. And the truth here that you and I both know is that when security, when our security or our confidence is in doubt, we throw spears. We throw spears. And a great example, I keep bringing up COVID, but it is such a phenomenal example. And that is 
in the two plus years of COVID, I'm just curious, how many times could you count them on your hands? Did you see anyone on social media, in the news, or in person throwing spears at other people? Anybody? Thank you. There was one that said yes. There was so much spear throwing. There was so much blame and frustration and everybody was just trying to pin everybody else up against the wall based on their views or their approach or their decision making and then show them how wrong they were and tell them the truth and show them how superior they were to the other people. And so people were trying to pin each other up against the wall all the time. They were not trying to help, serve, or love They were trying to dominate and twist and control the situation. It's not fun. It's not just people outside the church, it's just people inside the church, right? I mean, even pastors and church leaders, people appointed by God, like Saul was, were trying to pin other people and other pastors and other church leaders up against the wall because of their decisions in and regarding COVID-19. It was crazy. Throw spears first, ask questions later. It was painful to watch. It's hard to watch. I know for me, and we were trying to navigate it and it wasn't an easy thing, but it was so difficult to see the spears come out first. The Saul's come out first versus the David's. For some of us in the year ahead, as you know, we... we, um, become a church in two locations um, here and in Cedar Rapids. It's gonna cause change. I'm not exactly sure how it's gonna change, um, but you know, there could be some things that you may perceive um, as maybe a regular attender here is not so great. And guess what? Me too. And it's gonna be tempting to pick up your spear as the first gut reaction to the situation and start throwing it. When you feel wrong and betrayed, unexpected change is coming, and you feel justified, and it may be a good, listen, some of the change in your life could be understandable. You could come up here and stand here, and you could share what happened and how things changed in your life, and guess what? I bet the majority of us in this room would be like, I could totally see how throwing spears would be a response in that moment. Like, I could empathize 100% with what happened. You were probably in the right. We're not blaming you at all. I get it. But pinning people up against the wall, getting a jab in there, getting a criticism up there, showing them what's what, getting a passive aggressive comment in the door, or just straight up ignoring someone so that they feel a bit pressed against the wall to make yourself feel more superior and back in control and showing them that, it's twisted. And it is almost positively not gonna lead to good change change in the right direction or in a better direction. Because guess what the person who you're throwing a spear at wants to do with that spear when it lands? Throw it right back. And that doesn't work. The reason it doesn't work is because spears have this amazing ability to prevent seeing. You know how I know that? If I throw a a spear right now at Brad in the front row, what's Brad gonna be focused on? Right now, his blood pressure's like, really? Like, you 
came up and said hello to me this morning, Taylor. You're spearing me. Yeah, I know, right? All you can focus on is this. Online people, through the camera. If I could, and I can't, but if I could, get this right through that camera lens, not only would Dennis behind the camera be quite concerned, but you'd be sitting on your TV like, you, you might just be tempted to go, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's, you know it's not gonna hit you, but you're like, whoo, that's kind of scary, you know? And then the feed cuts out. It's like, wow, that was dramatic, you know? Why? Because you can't see reconciliation with a spear coming at you. You can't see any other solutions. You can't see empathizing with someone else in that moment and how other people may be feeling. And you, friends, you can definitely not see God. There is no room with a spear coming at your face for you to think to yourself, huh, wonder what the Lord would do in this moment, you know? What's the Spirit's leading in this situation? How, how could I love my neighbor in this season of life in which a spear is slowly coming at my face? You cannot see God. There is no room for God who is love when spears are flying. God is love. And in the absence of godly behavior, which Saul was not exhibiting in this moment, there's no, there's no room for him. There's no room for him. Despite, despite what many people, let's just set it up. Despite what many people wanted Jesus to do, they wanted Jesus to be Joshua. They wanted, they wanted him to be Yeshua. They wanted him to be the warrior. They wanted him to come in and push Rome out and take over and sit. Even his disciples, they, they were so looking forward to the day Jesus that sat on the throne. They totally misunderstood what Jesus was trying to accomplish and why Jesus advocated to not have weapons. Don't put that sword away. Don't, that's, not, that's not gonna help anything, cutting people's ears off, he would say. It's why um, people like Reverend Martin Luther King was such an advocate for peace. If you read his book, um, Why We Can't Wait, it's a phenomenal read. Like, so encouraged reading at least one Martin Luther King book. Um, he talked about how we should don the armor of God. And he was quoting Jesus in that, in that we should have peace. We should turn the other cheek. And it feels weak. And it feels like you're giving in but it's not, it's not giving in. Because without that, without just dodging like David did, without dodging, there is no room for empathy. There is no room for redemption and reconciliation because nobody can see anything but spears and understandably so. And so what is David's response to this situation? Well, his life's on the line, it's very understandable, but it's also really wise. He left. He left. He walked away. He was done. Because what, was, what would have been easier for David to do, and probably David would have won, was to pull that spear out of the wall or wherever it had landed when it got thrown at David, pick it up and throw it right back at Saul and hit him bullseye on and take out the king. And guess what everybody would have said? David's king now, and it would have all worked out, right? No, it wouldn't have worked out. That's not who David was. The best years of David's life were when he approached things as God would approach them, as Christ would have approached them. 
up until he became king. Then it kind of went downhill a little bit, but it was when spears were coming at him sometimes were the best moments for David. When he chose not to throw them back, when he chose to turn the other cheek, when he chose to walk away because the situation was unhealthy and unhelpful and wrong, and because he recognized when spears are flying, nothing good, there's no love in that room. There's not an opportunity for something better to come from it. As David would so clearly say that one time, um, we'll, we'll talk about it, but when he's in the cave and Saul's right there, you know, taking care of business and, and he could have taken care of Saul in that moment, but he didn't. And why did he say he didn't do that? Because I am not going to harm God's anointed. My life is not about me. I'm good. I'm about serving the Lord. I'm about making it, I'm about making the king someone other than myself. That's what made David so great. We talked about that on Christmas Eve. Who's the king in your life? Who have you crowned king of your life? Who do you take your marching orders from? And David said, I'm not trying to be king here. I'm not trying to take that for myself. I'm just trying to serve the Lord and treat others how the Lord would wish me to treat them. To love God with all my heart, soul, and mind and to love others as I love myself. Because otherwise you start a cycle and it's such an impossible cycle to break. You start throwing, they start throwing and it's just that. There's no light in the darkness. It's just darkness. There's no city up on a hill standing above the clamor and the craziness. There's no room for that. That's not following Jesus. And if there's anything you take away from today, I hope it's understanding a little bit better the heart of God and how David showed the heart of God in these moments of not returning fire. Not returning fire. And certainly there are moments in our, in our lives where it's just unsafe and it's unhealthy and you gotta get out. But there's some situations where, listen, blood pressure is way too high. You gotta wait, I think, what psychology says, like 20 minutes for everything and all the... Um, chemicals in our body to just cool the temperature down. But you're not gonna inspire real change, real transformation, betterment. You're not gonna understand the fullness of the situation throwing spears. And too often in church, we're like, oh man, I see it all the time. I don't like this. This isn't what I believe. I don't agree or this, that, and the other thing. And it's just throw, throw, throw. And we're gonna pin you down until you buy in. That's not Jesus. What did Jesus do? Follow me. Follow me. You don't have to. You don't have to. But if you want to, you can. And it'll change your life. And you'll come face to face with a God who loves you deeply, who cares for you as much as he cares for anyone else, who, who um, assigns you a value as his son or his daughter. That's how important you are to him. And so that way, in the midst of unexpected change, change that doesn't go your way, fair and unfair change, necessary and unnecessary change, you are able to not pick the spear up and start hurling. And you, even when the spears are coming at you, which I know is not fun, trust me, not fun. 
And I'm just telling you, the closer and closer you get to Jesus, this should be like another message. The closer and closer you get to Jesus, spears tend to fly a little bit more. I don't know why that is. It's not fun, but it's just how it works. Trying to pin you to a wall. You can be okay. You can persevere through. As Paul said, perseverance builds character and hope. Makes you into a better follower of Christ. A better person. A more filled with life kind of a person. So I hope this year you will set a game-changing resolution. Ideally of becoming a follower of Jesus. But if not... Someone who is wise and patient and who is kind like Jesus was, who did not grab for the spears right away, who was okay dodging a few along the way so that you could love and care for those people around you, that that there would be space if people wanted to sit at the table for reconciliation and growth. And you could come to terms with what's maybe happened in your past and the change that has occurred in your past and how it has felt having those and why those spears start coming your direction sometimes to the point at which maybe through that walking with wise and patient loving steps, you come to terms with a version of God that is love, that is worth your time, that is worth your attention and may even be worth your worship as it was for David. And how it not only changed David's life when he took those steps, but it changed the kingdom of God's life and its existence. Literally, the kingdom of Israel changed and was so much better for the fact that David did not throw back those spears. Next week, you got to be here because next week um, we're going to be talking about why Saul's throw spears. And this was super transformational for me helped me through some really challenging times, but why Saul throws it in the very first place? What is the heart of it? What is the motivation, the core issue behind it, which could help some of you reconcile um, some of your past, Christian or not? It's just, it's so super good. um, And so I really hope that you're gonna be here um, next week. If you would, bow your heads, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this story, that, that there were people throughout the lives of Saul and David that wrote these stories down and rolled it up into a scroll and shared it verbally with other people so that today, 3,000 years later, we could learn something. We could learn, well, let's be honest, Lord, first and foremost, that people don't change as much as we think we do. We still have a long way to go, but that we have a path forward. And that path forward is the same for the disciples uh, 2,000 years ago as it is for us, that it was for David as it is for us. And it's to decide to choose to live love, to live you, because you are love. The kind of love that knows when to dodge, knows when to sit at the table and reconcile, knows when to make hard decisions, when to set up good boundaries, when to walk back into someone's life who maybe has thrown spears at them, who knows when to extend grace, but also knows when to extend truth. Those are very difficult decisions and relational um, puzzles to navigate. But in you and through your guidance and through your spirit and through your comfort and your strength, we can do it. We can live like David lived in his best moments, in the moments like when he exchanged and interacted with Saul over the years. 
so that we could ultimately glorify you and that you would be ultimately king in our lives and that we would bring peace and hope and light to those around us because of our decisions, because of how we choose to use the tools that you have given us, like a spear, that we choose to love like you love. Because when your son, Lord, came to earth, he stood in front of the spear. He took the spear for us because he and you love us. That's love. Love doesn't come from hurling and trying to pin people. It comes from embracing, it comes from sacrificing, it comes from serving. Lord, help that be how we begin this new year, how we are restored to a new year this year, that maybe we experience some breakthrough now and can experience the fruit of that for the rest of this year. Help change, not get in our way, but be something that we move through and we know how to navigate because you have our back. You have set and defined who we are and our value and our identity. We don't have to question that. We can be comforted in that. Lord, help us to know this truth. Help us to wrestle with this truth if that's the season of faith we're in. But help us all to step closer to it. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.